Okay. <coughs> okay, brethren, at this time we are going to have our sermon for today. Uh, he's assured me that it's only three hours long, so we've got plenty of time. Uh, our sermon for today but from Barnabas Grayson entitled Three Simple Words. And like I told Matt earlier, I'll be brief no matter how long it takes. <laughs> Brought a bag up here. Before I begin, uh, just once again, uh, let me say thank you to all the young people uh, for giving us some joy this morning and uh, this afternoon. And I really appreciate it having seen, like uh, we were mentioning earlier, Curtis's little boy, we remember Curtis when he was little, down there in Eufaula when he and his mom and dad came and uh, they were there at the lakeside and uh, he was running around and kind of thought, well, he's, he needs to be careful, he might fall in the water there, but he was up and everywhere. So yeah, they grow up, a generation comes and a generation goes and it's just good that we, uh, as earlier stated, that uh, you know they're the future. So wish them well. Their aspirations, hopefully they will be successful at everything they want to do. They may not know everything right now, but, you know, there's that time when they uh, graduate, they will have to make up their minds like most of us uh, did. You know, uh, we were talking, uh, had the uh, kids here that uh, uh, when Renee was up here, you know, talking to the kids, it reminded me of a program a long time ago called, uh, it was, I don't know exactly the title, but it was by Art. Linkletter, you know, he would have these uh, young children come up, and, and they would he would ask them questions, and you never know what they're going to say, and that's what that's what made it funny. I don't have a uh, an outline uh, today. I was in the Frady hole, so I I didn't do that, and I will do my best to uh, keep it simple. Uh, what is that saying? Keep it simple. There were. Three simple words that my mother used to say to me just before I would go out uh, the door, whether I was going to uh, visit my friends or walk to the Tasty Freeze or go roller skating where I would uh, skate and learn to skate. It took me a lot of uh, bumps and falls. And, but I learned a lot, of, uh, listened to a lot of music back then, back in the 50s, late 50s, 60s. And uh, also when I went to the Tasty Freeze, they played over the loudspeakers some of the music of the day. So... Our town was small. Most people knew everybody. And so as I walked out the door, my mom would say, uh, she would give me these three simple words. So what were those three simple words, you think? They, they were, that's all right. They were, uh, let's see if I can remember them. <laughs> three simple words, I forget real easy. They were, you be good. You be good. Or sometimes it would be, you be careful. To me, that meant don't do bad things. Don't say bad things. Don't even think bad things, but keep out of trouble. Don't hurt yourself. Things like that. So parents are naturally going to worry uh, about their kids. No matter how old you get uh, children, no matter how old you get, your parents are going to be thinking about you, worried about you. They're going to tell you from time to time, uh, wear your seatbelt and things of that sort. So... 
Anyway, they are concerned about how you're doing, what you're doing, whenever you are out of sight. So parents are naturally going to worry about their children. But it bugs some kids, you know. Some kids say, why are there so many do's and don'ts? Why do you have to tell me this? Why do you have to tell me that I'm good? You know, but uh, so, you know, kids will sometimes say, well, why? Why? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to wash the dishes, do the lawn, clean up the garage, things of that sort? And what do the parents reply? They usually say, because I told you so. Because I'm your mother. Because I'm your father. You know, words to that effect. Now, with all of these things going on, going on out in the world, there's a lot of things that can hurt and endanger your life. Now, was I perfect at being good? Only I know, and God knows. Did I always remember those simple, free, uh, those simple words? No, because I did a lot of ridiculous things and learned a few lessons along the way. And maybe you're curious now as to what some of those things were, but if I told you, I would have to, you know, do the disclaimer and say, uh, don't do this at home. But anyway, uh, it was always, you be good or you be careful. Now then, we look at uh, our world today, and there's always sound advice that we hear, still given by our parents, and when they call us on the phone, of course, I don't have parents anymore because they uh, died a long time ago. But anyway, we remember those words. We remember those little bits of, of uh, instruction that they, that they have given to us. And there are also three other words, simple words, when they say, you be good or you be careful. And those three words are, I love you. So you can... Uh, Put that along with the three simple words. Now in the book of Leviticus, chapter 20, verse 7, we read where the Lord God said to his people, that is the children of Israel, who had children of their own among them, and he said to them three simple words. Be ye holy. Be ye holy. And in case they were wondering why, he said, because I am the Lord your God. So in uh, Leviticus 20 and verse 7, he said, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am uh, your, uh, Lord your God. In Leviticus 19 and verse 2, uh, we, we see this too. This is where the Lord, uh, he said this to Moses to tell to the people, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So these words are meant to be a directive in our life, in, to our daily life, because when we step out of our own uh, door, out of front door or wherever, and go to work, go to school, do whatever it is that we're going to do for that day, that's the motto that we should remember. You know, remember uh, some time ago, they used to make these little rubber bands that, you know, fit around your hand, and it had WWJD on it which meant, uh, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So, when we think about be ye holy, you be good, you know, we could have B-Y-E, or B-Y-H, which means to us, be ye holy. So, 
if you recall Owen's devotional, it shows, I think, that we are on the same page because his uh, devotional was entitled How to Live a Holy Life. So uh, I feel good about that. Show me what you, uh, he read those scriptures, show me uh, your ways, teach me uh, your paths. And so be ye holy is the three simple words that I hope we will remember even as adults sometimes, you know, we do forget. But it's one of those things that as you go out into the world, if you're thinking of that, be ye holy. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse uh, 15, starting verse 15, it says, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, that is, in all that you do. So even if you go to some, some bar or something like that, you want to be sure that you are going to be holy. Not holy drunk, but holy sober, you know. Because it is written, be you holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges everything, judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, in reverence of God. So we know that God is impartial. He gives his command, be ye holy. And we, if we're old enough to understand all of that, what all that means, you know, it's up to us to do the right thing. So <clears throat> maybe you heard your parents say to you one time when you weren't uh, as good as you should be, and they might say to you, well, I told you once, I told you a thousand times. You know, once ought to be enough. And, and, and whenever I'd hurt myself after my mother had told me, uh, you be careful there, I skin my knee or whatever, and she wouldn't have any sympathy. She would say, she would say to me, well, get up and try it again. You want me to hurt myself again? But sometimes we don't listen. Sometimes we don't heed. But you know to be holy, to do what is right, we, knew, we need to know uh, the difference between right and wrong. Leviticus 23 verse 31 he says there keep my commands and follow them keep my commands and follow them I am the Lord but why the commandments why do we need these commandments because they show how to love God and they show how to love neighbor Romans chapter 7 and verse 12 uh, it says there wherefore the law is holy and the commandments holy and just and good. Then in Deuteronomy 13. And verse 18. I'm not going to elaborate. On uh, these scriptures. Uh, it says there in verse 18. To hearken. To the voice of the Lord. Your God. Hearken to the voice of the Lord. Your God. You know. We don't hear his voice. Audibly like you hear mine. Or others voices. It comes to us. Through the word of God. We hear it that way. And to keep all his commandments, which I command you this day, to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. And sometimes people today, uh, you know, they say they're good. They uh, do what is right in their own eyes, but not in the eyes of God. So to be good, to be holy, means to know the Lord. So how do we come to know the Lord? We know that parents have a good, uh, uh, 
relationship mostly with their children. But, you know, it is God that has given them uh, the authority, the power, the responsibility to raise a, a child in the way they should go. But we also know that there are other sources of learning. Now, in Exodus chapter 31, verse 12 through 18, the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak you also unto the children of Israel. That's how, you know, uh, they were looked upon as children. Even though some of them were maybe 100, no, maybe 50, maybe 12, whatever. These were the children that he, that he to, uh, told Moses to speak to. And he said this, Verily my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Why? Because it says there, that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. So sometimes why keep the Sabbath? You know, why you know, get up when you, you feel tired? Why go to church? Why listen to sermons? Sing hymns? Hear the scriptures read? Have fellowship? All of those things that we do on a weekly basis here in worship of God and also as another source of learning not only to the children but also to we as adults and sometimes it does go in one ear and out the other we have other thoughts in our mind we have things that we might be thinking of and you know just for a few minutes hopefully I'll get done by three o'clock and uh, there are things that we will hear things that we will keep and, um, and along the way maybe we will remember some of these things in, uh, as ways to be ye holy. So to know the Lord, turn, to learn of him on a day he set aside for holy assembly. And he said in verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defiles it shall surely be put to death, for whosoever does any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. You know, he didn't make every day holy. The, the other six days were to do work. But there's one day in which he said to keep it holy unto the Lord. Now, in that day, we know that God dealt directly with his children. They saw his miracles. They saw uh, how Moses was empowered by God to make all of these uh, commandments uh, clear to them. But we know that sin is a transgression of the law. Even though today we don't have... Uh, people who are being immediately condemned to death because they don't keep the Sabbath. But there is a judgment that is yet in the future. But God right now, as we read in some of the scriptures, that uh, we are under grace. That God is patient. Uh, not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. Verse 18, skipping down to 18. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony uh, written in stone. You know, meant not to be erased or done away by man concerning the Sabbath. So, to be holy, to even keep the Sabbath, you have to be spiritually strong. Uh, and it takes a, a lot of holiness. Belief in God the Father and in his Son who, you know, who is our Savior. Belief in his words and it takes protective armor, which I uh, won't go to right now. But oh, I was going to mention this little thing right here. 
It's to hold your attention. It's ticking something. I don't know. Oh, there's somebody back. Come up here. Throw it away. I'm only kidding, of course. So, uh, well. Stay away from that. Keep three feet back. Where was I? In Matthew chapter 7, let's go over to Matthew 7 and verse 12. Uh, it says for us to enter the narrow gate, enter the straight gate. Uh, because when you enter in at the straight gate, that's the gate where you should try to enter. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. Few there be that find it. Because some of, the, uh, some of the things about being holy does take a resolve. It takes a commitment to be holy. It can be difficult to be holy. When you're at school or when you're at work. And people wonder why you do this or do that. Or go to uh, church on, on a Saturday. So we have to heed God's instructions. And when you know there are many cynical people in the world. And many cynical and and scientists who are disbelievers who think there is no God. That life and everything that we see, touch, smell, taste is just the result of an accident. So in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we see that these are the very first words of the Bible when you open it up. And so you're kind of left with, well... You can believe what the rest of the Bible says or you don't have to believe it. But it's up to you after reading those first few words in the beginning. And so right away the reader faces a choice as to believe or not believe. Now in John 1 verses 1 through 3 uh, we read this about our creators. The Elohim, a uniplural word meaning a God family. In the beginning, verse 1 was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and that's Jesus Christ who became human risking his own life in order to save ours he was with God in the beginning verse 2 together with God in the beginning beginning of what the creation of the heavens and the earth and through him all things were made and without him Nothing was made that has been made. So when you peer up into the heavens, to the universe, you see these giant stars, these powerful black holes, these uh, uh, meteors and asteroids and supernovas and planets way out there. We see this material universe that is so separated by vast distances as well as time. But our physical senses, you know, might tell us, well, how is this possible? When you think, well, how could all this be the, the handiwork of us, even if there is a supreme being? But what we know from this is that God is all-powerful, that he has created a very powerful universe so he can do anything that he wants to. All things are possible with God. And our five senses, our physical senses, tells us that we are special, that we are created. Everything that we see around us is not the result of an accident. Because we take in 
a variety of, you know, very amazing wonders, animals and fruits and uh, plants and insects, you just name it. And some of the things that point out to intelligent design, you know, some, some evolutionists don't like that word because they feel like it's an insult to uh, their intelligence, scientific intelligence, but the science has always been there. They just happen to discover the laws that exist in the universe. But design and variety is evidence of uh, a creator. So are the various visual elements like shape and color and texture and balance, which you know has symmetry and, and uh, asymmetry, and there are patterns. You know, we have an eye and symmetrical, you know, there's an eye over here, nose in the middle, mouth down below. It's everything is balanced. What if we weren't balanced? So we see evidence of design. And of course, there's that most wonderful uh, creation of all. It's that person that looks back at you in the mirror who has you know, their own emotions, their own personality, their own faith, their own beliefs, their own aspirations. They're a living, breathing creation, a person with their own personality. And as I heard, read earlier, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we have gifts, and that we are created with a purpose. So we know that there are beliefs in the world that you know, try to contra contradict uh, that. Now, the logic of evolution, you know, there are brilliant-minded people and there are brilliant-minded scientists who think life evolved from non-life from over, you know, over millions and millions and millions of years, and everything fell slowly, perfectly, and exactly into place. If I said to you, I happened upon this clock, it was in the ground, and my thought, I'd been taught to say, well, it just happened upon its own. It would be illogical to believe that. So who's really getting their intelligence assaulted? Because when we look at all the life forms that we have, we know that things like this didn't happen. They were created. They were put together. All of the screws and the mechanics of it all of it was designed and put together by a designer. So it makes no sense. It's, it's just not logical. But evolutionists say to believe in God and creation is the real insult to uh, intelligence. So you can look at various things that you have. Maybe the ballpoint pen that you have, the wristwatch, uh, your glasses, the piano, the guitars. All of those things. They, uh, that's a variety of stuff. And say they all evolved, they just came together on their own. What would be the odds of that? So there are many complexities uh, in every living organism and for it all to come together what, what, are, the, what are the odds? Uh, as an example uh, Carolyn gave me, she gave me this example and I thought well that's a good idea. Uh, it takes some letters of the alphabet and you just cut them up you know, singularly and then uh, drop them and hope that they m might form, you know, A, B, C throughout all in order. You might get A and B right there together, 
But then, again, that's not enough. You've got to do the whole thing over again. How many times would that, would that take? So, and it's like also the, uh, the word deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA. Have each of the letters on dice and roll them so that they spell out the word, that word. And to do it, say, 23 more times. And then, you know, for the male, for the female. What are the odds that you get it right in the time that you have? Because life is short. We're temporary. And so it all began with the Big Bang. And I might as well go ahead and get this out. And I uh, want to show variety. want to show design in nature. And... Uh, my wife doesn't know I took these from the house. Here are some butterflies. If you look closely at them, they, are, they have uh, patterns on them. They have color on them. They have symmetry. They were designed for a purpose. Just like someone would design material on a shirt, cut them out into a pattern. Intelligent creation. And here we have life. Something within each Insect, butterfly, turtle, whatever, have life built for a certain, for a certain uh, uh, purpose. There's another glass in here. Oh, I forgot. Let's see if there's a big crack in it. I thought this is pretty. It's a, it's a butterfly. There are about 3,200 species, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, down south, South America. And uh, the symmetry, the eye is on it. And um, anyway, that's why I brought it, just to let you know that things just didn't happen by accident. But it's up to the person who hears those things to believe it or not. So it all started, some say, with the Big Bang, which I, you know, I have no problem uh, with because it does show that there was a beginning somewhere in the past, somewhere along the way. Now, we have things that we need to be holy when we go out the door from our abode. We've heard it all before. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's just go there if we can. Uh, you already know. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You know, be strong in faith toward him and trust toward him. And the powers of his might. What God is able to do. You know, through the things that we have read and studied about him. But verse 11 Put on the whole armor of God. We see that armor is a defensive wear. And the reason is that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because the world outside doesn't want you to be holy. It wants you to leave that motto, that saying at home. So there is an evil and a deceiving spirit in the world. Always trying to ambush you, your children. God's people, whatever. Like a lion seeking whom he may devour because they may be straggling or because they are weak in some way. Verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Everything about it. You know, if you leave one part home, you're, you're, you're going to be weak in some way. And it tells us what uh, that, that is. Gird about with truth, having on as a breastplate righteousness. You know, the word, thy word is truth, it says. And the commandments are our guide. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, it says in chapter 5 of Matthew, for they shall be called the children of God. Verse 16, and above all, take the shield of faith. Take the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. This one says 15 tell. That one says 5 tell. This one says to tell <laughs> I was going to read some Proverbs to you I might just read a couple of things because I was reading it in here in the book of Proverbs uh, a few you know a few of those things uh, that make us think and uh, it says son learn what I teach you and never forget what I tell you and this comes out of the good news Bible so it's put into modern English but I came across one thing there that I thought was pretty good. And not that I can identify with it. Uh, let's see. Maybe I'm not supposed to read it. I don't know. But I had marked here a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, proverbs here. But I thought this one was kind of... Uh, Interesting. In Proverbs 20, in verse 1, it says, Drinking too much makes you loud and foolish. It's stupid to get drunk. And then you go over to one of the chapter 23, which is about 30 wise sayings there. And there it says in verse 29 through 30 of chapter 23, it, it says, Show me someone who drinks too much. Who has to try out fancy drinks. And I will show you someone miserable and sorry for himself. Always causing trouble. And always complaining. His eyes are bloodshot. He has bruises that could have been avoided. Don't let wine tempt you. Even though it is rich red and it sparkles in the cup. And it goes down smoothly. The next morning you will feel as if you had been bitten by a poisonous snake. In earlier lives, you know, sometimes you, you might remember that. Weird sights will appear before your eyes and you will not be able to think or speak clearly. You will feel as if you were out on the ocean, seasick, swinging high up in the rigging of a tossing ship. Saying, I, I, must have been, I must have been hit, you say. I must have been bitten, uh, beaten up, but I don't remember it. Why can't I wake up? And then it ends, I need another drink. Uh, Proverbs is one of those places where whether you are young or old, if you just read through them, it will give you thoughts to ponder. So, 
from a Leviticus 20 and verse 7. It said to sanctify yourself through belief in God, through the keeping of his commandments, and then being holy unto the Lord. 